House Podcast Network, keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com It's episode 91, and the podcast is going in a different direction. Please welcome the Buckeye Podcast, nothing but Ohio State talk. April Fool's. But you won't be a fool if you listen to episode 91 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. In this edition of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, find out how the Cincinnati Cyclones are doing entering the last regular season week of the 2018-19 campaign. Also find out how the local MLS teams are doing, how about those local college baseball and softball teams, as well as the saga happening in Northern Kentucky, the roster for the 2019 Dayton Dragons, and hot off the presses, a team is folding nearby. If it's happening in Cincinnati and Dayton, and maybe Columbus if you're feeling lucky, it's on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mallon. By the way, that little music clip that I used for the April Fool's joke, which I'm sure fooled no one, it's from Kevin McLeod of FreePD.com. Want to give the credit out there where it's due. And it also reminds me of two of my favorite games on the Nintendo 64, Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. It's got that Rare feel to it. And yes, Rare is a company that makes or made video games. Anyway, episode 91 is here. And first up, the Cincinnati Cyclones. During the duration of this podcast, it always seems like it's an afterthought to mention the Cyclones. Normally it's at the tail end of an episode, but this time I wanted to lead off with Cincinnati because this Cyclone club has really dominated the ECHL this year. Cincinnati, 49 wins, 12 losses, and 8 after regulation, 5 overtime, and 3 shootout losses. Last night fell in overtime at Toledo, 2-1, to and could not clinch the Brabham Cup, which is named in recognition of Henry Brabham, a founding member of the ECHL, and it's also the regular season trophy. Cincinnati has won it once back in 2008, one of two Kelly Cup wins for the Cyclones. But all is not lost. There are three games left, and Cincinnati just needs one point to clinch the Cup, and two of those three games are at home. The last one happens to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so not too far away from Cincinnati, Ohio. I can mention three games. Uh, first up, Wednesday versus Toledo for $1 beer night on Wednesday. On Friday, it's Fan Appreciation Night versus the Brampton Beast out of Canada. And like I mentioned, at Fort Wayne on Saturday. The playoffs start next week, and we'll talk a little bit more in episode 92. Uh, next week's episode, I should say. Who's to say I don't have an episode 92 earlier? But that's the plan right now. 
The Cyclones are led by Jesse Schultz, who has 22 goals, 57 assists for 79 points, which leads the entire conference in points. Also, Miles Powell with 30 goals in 55 games and 34 assists for 64 points. Leads the Cyclones in goals. Also in the net, Michael Hauser. 27 wins, 7 losses, 4 OT losses, 1 shootout loss. With a save percentage at 92.1%. And a goals allows average at 2.17 in 2,270 minutes. I don't need to tell you that's a lot of hockey to play. In terms of how he stacks up in the rest of the ECHL, which is double-A hockey for those that don't know the levels of ECHL, then AHL, then NHL. Michael Hauser is third in the ECHL by goals allows average and second in the ECHL in wins just behind with one loss. The leading goalie has 28 of them. Hauser has 27. Nine more wins than second and third place teams in the Western Conference, which would be the Tulsa Oilers and the Idaho Steelheads, which is a type of fish. Both Tulsa and Idaho have 40 wins. So yeah. It's hard to believe that hockey season's winding down. You think I'd talk a little bit more about the Blue Jackets, but no. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if they actually win a first-round playoff. They are catching on fire, and Bob Roski's been pretty sharp as of late, but the proof's in the pudding. Either go through the first round of the playoffs, or it's off and not again. See, making the playoffs... Yeah, I mean, that should have been the standard, you know, the first decade of the Blue Jackets, which, as you know, took quite a while for Columbus to actually reach that plateau. And then they got swept by Detroit when they were still pretty powerful. And Columbus has been making the playoffs with regularity the last few seasons. But it's that first round that the Blue Jackets can't clear the hurdle. I think they have a solid shot at it. But time will tell. But back to the Cyclones, who are doing some major, major work. They're hosting the first three rounds of the playoffs, because Cincinnati's done so well. And on the other side, Florida is, I think, a win or two behind, and they've played more games than Cincinnati. Therefore, the Cyclones just need one more point to get the cup. And like I mentioned, the Brabham Cup, Cincinnati has won it once, and that was back in 2008. So be nice to have that piece of hardware back in the Queen City. So congrats go out to the Cyclones. Still work to be had. Three games left in the regular season. Two at home, then Saturday at Fort Wayne. And then the playoffs began. Like I mentioned, we'll talk a little bit more of that as the week progresses and find out who's playing what in the ECHL playoffs. If you haven't seen the Cyclones, go down and watch them. It's a serviceable rink and it's a good time. Cyclones do a nice job. They have this fan points reward system where you go to games, you talk about the Cyclones, and you get points for free things. There's a Tumblr on there. There's a couple things. You can find it out on Cincinnati Cyclones' website. So best of luck to Cincinnati. Finish it out strong and bring back not one, but a couple pieces of hardware back to Cincinnati. Now it's time for the madness of last month, because today's April. April Fools. I said I was talking about Ohio State sports. Nah. Incidentally, I did look up how many Ohio State podcasts there are. There's like a billion. Then I looked up Dayton Sports Podcasts. There's this one. And that's all I know about. 
Anyway, there is one team around here that was still dancing until last night. I believe it was last night. might have been Friday at this point. But Cincinnati and the women's basketball Bearcats fell to TCU at TCU 69-55. And that's the last local Division I basketball team in action. A great run, great season for Cincinnati, historic at UC. And nothing to be ashamed about because now it's the semis of the WNIT. You have Northwestern at James Madison and TCU takes on Arizona on the road. Hard to believe we're closing up college basketball. Incidentally, if you're interested in the Final Four, for the women, it's UConn and Oregon. They've already locked up spots, so meaning my women's basketball bracket, which I said I think UConn will win it. It's still intact. There are two spots remaining in the Final Four, and it will be a pair of one versus twos. Notre Dame takes on Stanford, and Baylor takes on Iowa. And those games are played tonight, Monday, April 1st, the day of this recording. Who will join the UConn Huskies and the Oregon Ducks? Well, you got to watch tonight, or Monday night, whenever you're listening to this. For the men's side of things, in the NIT, it's Lipscomb, Wichita State, which if Wright State beat Clemson, that would have been their next opponent, Texas, and TCU. In the big bracket, the big dance, the final four is Michigan State, Virginia, Texas Tech, and Auburn, meaning my bracket is officially cooked, as those Michigan State edging Duke in a very, very classic game. Auburn beating Kentucky. I think that might be the one big surprise. But to me, the stat that really opened my eyes was between the four winners and the four losers in those contests, it was decided by a margin of 18 points between the four games, which is the least ever in the big dance's history. Hard to believe. But, yeah, college basketball is cooking. It's just a shame that there's not many games left. So now we talk about college baseball and softball because it's spring and it's here. And as a PA announcer for two Division One schools in the area, it's the strongest area I know about. We'll start off with the Dayton Flyers. They were home this weekend, and the baseball team took two of three from the University of Massachusetts Minutemen in a doubleheader, not a designated hitter, on Friday. Flyers won it six nothing and eleven to two, and fell Sunday. 9 to 2. That puts the Flyers and the Flyboys 13 12 and 1 overall and 4 and 2 in Atlantic 10 play. And when I checked the standings on the Atlantic 10 website, they were wrong because the Flyers were apparently 10 13 and 1 and 3 and 2, which I can tell you no they're not because the Flyers went 2 and 1 at St. Louis and went 2 and 1 at home against UMass. I was there. I think I have an idea because I was a PA announcer. Currently tied with Davidson and Rhode Island at 4-2. and two. The Flyers are doing quite well. And now they'll take to the road. I believe they have St. Bonaventure on the road this weekend. But first, a home game Tuesday against the former Atlantic 10 and Horizon League foes and the Butler Bulldogs. That's a pretty good series, Butler-Dayton. And it's been a fairly common series my time at UD. And the Bulldogs and the Flyers getting together at DPNL Stadium. It's free admission. Come on out. And Tuesday should be a lot nicer than it was yesterday, Sunday, or Saturday with all that rain. In fact, taking care of my girlfriend's family's dog, 
walking up and down the sidewalk in Miamisburg. It was like a cascade of water coming down at me. At least I got my shoes clean, I guess. So, there we go. So, Dayton baseball, exceptionally well. Uh, I retweeted on my timeline, which you can follow me at the Lee W. Mallon, or you can follow the podcast at Gem on Queen Crown. I retweeted the fact that the Flyers made, what was it, 70 spot jump up? Dayton baseball's on the up and up. Coach Jason King has done a very nice job in his second year at the helm. And that UD Wright State game at DPNL Stadium, I'm looking forward to being there. I'm looking forward to see what the Gem City Slam has to offer. It's not officially called the Gem City Slam, but for those that aren't in the know, back when Wright State and Dayton played basketball, it was the Gem City Jam. Because Dayton, the Gem City, and Jam... Because it sounds good. Dunk. I, I don't know. But Gem City Slam. Think of Grand Slam. There you go. So, you know, credit me or something. I don't know. For Dayton Softball. They took one of one at home from Rhode Island. That's right. The Flyers Softball team could only get one game in against the Rhode Island Rams. And they won it one nothing on Gillum's Gem of a game. Complete game. And the Flyers went to 5-1 in conference play. They also took a doubleheader sweep at St. Louis, 9-3 at 7-3 against the Billikens on Wednesday. Too rainy to play on Saturday. I think there was only one local team that played. We'll tell you a little bit about that coming up. And everything else got postponed. And then Sunday, it was too cold. For baseball, there's really no limitation on that. But in the A-10 for softball... You have to have a real feel of 32 to play, and it never got that hot at the rescheduled time. And plus, Rhode Island's got to get on the plane to get back to Kingston, Rhode Island. So, yeah, one game of one. The Flyers took it one nothing. Flyers are 15 and 16 overall, and five and one in the A10. Dayton is doing quite well in softball. And for those that are interested in Wright State Dayton. Well, April the 10th, it'll be a doubleheader with the Raiders hosting the Flyers, and I'll be there. You know, I'll probably talk about it, what would that be, next week? Wow, it is really next week. Hard to believe we're starting a new month, the fourth month of 2019. Change your calendars. Now for Wright State. We'll start off with softball. They took two of three in Wisconsin at the Green Bay Phoenix. Green Bay's field was in question. It seems like every year that Wright State's at Green Bay, it's in the early part of the season. But it seems like it was never played at Green Bay. It was played at nearby St. Norbert College, if I'm correct. It was DePierre? DePierre? Not sure. But it was not played at the campus of Wisconsin Green Bay. It was played somewhere else. But it was in Wisconsin. There was a chance that Wright State was going to host the series. But it didn't happen like that. But the Raiders took two of three from the Phoenix. Lost the first game five to one. That was a doubleheader and the nightcap. The Raiders came back eleven to eight and won the rubber match seven to two. And Wright State currently sits in sixth place, half game back of NKU, who comes into town tomorrow and Wednesday. Because in softball, midweek series are a thing. For baseball, normally your conference games are at the end of a week wonder why that is for softball. You have, maybe it's because the season 
It's a little more scrunched up. I have no clue, but there you go. For Wright State Baseball, the Raider gang won another series, and Wright State took two or three from Youngstown State. The Raider gang are 6-3 and three in the Horizon League, half game back of UIC, who played Milwaukee twice. And In fact, the Flames were so nice, they allowed their football team to come in, and in that nightcap, they won against Milwaukee 21-6. Isn't that nice of them? Bring in the kicker and everything? No, but UIC Baseball, they really took it out on Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's supposed to have one of the, you know, one of the stronger teams in the Horizon League. I was going to say one of the stronger pitching cores. I mean, their pitching staff isn't bad, but UIC probably has the better of the three. But yeah, 21-6 was that second game. It was like, wow. I haven't really seen a score that high in a while. Or else it was last season. I'm just forgetting about it. Anyway, Wright State won the first game on Friday, seven to one. Lost Saturday, ten to eight, before the big rainstorm hit, and won Sunday, eighteen to eight. That puts the Raider Gang's record at eighteen and eight, and six and three in the Horizon League. If UIC Milwaukee played that third game, well, UIC could have been a game up, or it would have been another tie for first. But six wins and nine. Horizon League conference games, that's not bad. That's not bad. And still the Raiders have yet to drop a series, pretty sure, since the 2017 season. I'm pretty sure on that. Raiders have Wolford on Tuesday at home, at Indiana on Wednesday, which is a great storyline because Jeff Mercer, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, was the head coach of Wright State for the last two seasons, and now it's going to be a battle of the Raiders and Hoosiers. And then Wright State heads to Northern Kentucky this weekend. In the Horizon League, since there's only six teams involved in baseball, you have a three-game set there and a three-game set here. And I believe the last Horizon League series is at home against Northern Kentucky. I think that Saturday is senior day, and I have that. So that's pretty cool. We move from Dayton to Oxford and talk about the Red Hawks. Miami baseball swept Eastern Michigan at home this weekend, 7-6, 13-3, and 7-6, to put the Red Hawks at 5-1 in the Mid-American Conference and 21-5 overall. Miami will host Northern Kentucky Wednesday and then hit the road up 75 to take on the Toledo Rockets for three. Miami softball, 16-12, and 1-2 and and in the MAC after... A doubleheader sweep at Wright State, 6-0 and 4-2. Remember, it was that weird schedule after the doubleheader at Wright State. The Red Hawks wouldn't play until tomorrow, Tuesday. And they'll be at Bowling Green for two. And then Northern Illinois for three this weekend. We move on from Oxford to Cincinnati. Again, UC and XU do not have softball teams, just baseball teams. The Bearcats baseball team, they dropped the home series to Tulane. They lost the... First game 19 to 4, lost the second game 8 to 1, then won Sunday 7 to 6. Bearcats 10 and 16 overall, now 3 and 3 in the American Athletic Conference. They'll be at Ohio State Wednesday and at UConn for a three-game series this weekend. For Xavier, the Musketeers are 9 and 18, yet to play a conference series, but that changes this week. They fell at number 13 Texas three times. And all three games, apparently, were 6-5 to five Longhorns win. And I think Texas walked off that third game. 
to lose three games by one run, that's pretty tough. You're playing number 13 Texas quite tough. And for the Musketeers, they should really, really have their chins up on that series. Yeah, it didn't win, but you got to think. You're playing a sovereign school, you know, where they can host their opening season weekend series at home because it's warm. And in the northern schools, that's not really a thing unless you have a bubble, which, by the way, anyone with money, you know, you can use it to buy a bubble. Bubble. Anyway, 1918 and Eastern Kentucky awaits Xavier on Wednesday for a road trip. And then Xavier hosts Georgetown this upcoming weekend to start Big East play. And back to the Horizon League, we'll talk about Northern Kentucky. The Norse baseball team is 5-20 and and 4-5 and in Horizon League play. They drop 2-3 at, at home to the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. Yes, the team that has a pair of head coaches, co-head coaches, one of them a former Penguin and Jackie Healy, and one of them the cousin, what is it, Al Kaline? What was his first name, Al? It's a Kaline and Jackie Healy leading the Golden Grizzlies. Anyway... Norse 5 and 20, 4 and 5. They dropped the series to Oakland at home. Lost 8 to 5 on Friday. Won the first of two, 3 to 2, and then fell in the nightcap for nothing. The Norse are going to get a taste of Miami. They'll be at Miami Wednesday. They'll host Miami Hamilton, which is a branch campus of Miami, obviously, on Thursday. And then hosting Wright State this weekend. That means if the weather doesn't interfere, that Norfolk, Kentucky will be playing five straight days of baseball. And all but one will be at the friendly confines of NKU. The only one not Wednesday at Miami, but that, what would that be? An hour trip? Because Oxford's kind of, well, I don't know, but it's, it's kind of far. And now NKU softball. They took two of two at Oakland, five to four and six to five. The third game got washed out and the Norse will tangle with Wright State. In Dayton, Ohio this week, the Norths are 9-19 and 2-3 and in conference play. Half game up over Wright State. The Norths currently sitting in 5th place, Wright State 6th. And the three-game series starts tomorrow, Tuesday, with a doubleheader. And Wednesday, there will be a solo game. And that's the game I'll be at. So, come out and watch some good quality college baseball and softball. I mean, just covering the D1 teams, we have quite, quite the strong squads in the area. I mean, some of the records, yeah, but they're under 500. I mean, that's not good. Well, yeah, but if you're playing tougher opponents to, you know, prepare for your upcoming slate, I mean, hey, I like that. So, there we go. We're going to take a break here on episode 91 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, and we come back. We're heading back to Norman, Kentucky, but it's not on the positive note. We'll also talk about the MOS teams in the area, how they're doing, the 2019 roster for the Dayton Dragons, and a team folding nearby. This is the local Sunday Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen, and we'll be back after this. This is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Are you looking for something new in fantasy sports? The All Sports League is a 10-person online draft where you pick two full teams instead of players from eight different sports for a 16-team roster. 
It goes like this. If you get the first pick, would you go with the Golden State Warriors, pick the World Series defending Boston Red Sox, or head to the gridiron thinking that Clemson repeats or Alabama knocks them off? Online drafts start on June 16th, but spots are filling up quickly. Come check it out at allsportsleague.com. This is for listeners of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Use the promo code PULSE and the number one and get $10 off. Again, that's PULSE and the number one to get $10 off. Sign up today and get to work with your new challenge of learning the rules and creating your very own big board like never before. We'll see you there at allsportsleague.com. Promo code PULSE1. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday sports podcast. We'll continue with part two of episode 91 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, in a moment. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app for prop bets. They streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. It's a unique experience that gives the casual sports fan an opportunity to compete and succeed at the high level. Instead of a traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup in just minutes around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you pick 10 out of the 20 prop bets available, plus two ice picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. Each prop has an over and under point value assigned to it, and you're rewarded the points if you pick correctly. For example, will Andy Dalton throw for under or over 250 yards? With the less likely the prop is to occur, the more points your choice will be if you picked correctly. And you build your team score around the amount of correct props you will select. Available on any mobile device through Google Play and the App Store. Visit bit.ly slash thrive pulse and the number two and any new user who signs up and deposits using this promo code will double their initial deposit thrive fantasy play with your friends visit bit.ly slash thrive pulse two to double your first deposit bit.ly slash thrive pulse two Thrive Fantasy. Thank you for holding. Your call is very important to us. Please wait on the line. Oh, wait. No, I already did have April Fool's joke. Ah, scrap the segment. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> there was something I forgot about, and now I thought about it, and now I'm going to share it. So, you might know the history of the Dayton Triangles, you know, the fiercest mascot you will ever get, because, you know... My triangles, and triangles are scary, apparently. No, the Dayton Triangles, that was the first NFL game in Dayton, Ohio. Triangle Park. And apparently at Triangle Park, they're putting in a new football field. And the Cincinnati Bengals might be practicing in Dayton. 
Now, this is nothing new. Cincinnati practiced at West Carrollton's Dock Stadium a couple seasons ago. I forget which it was. And before, what was it, 1997, the Bengals held their camps at Wilmington College in Clinton County and then moved to Georgetown College, which is right next to Lexington. So there you go. Of course, you know about the Bengals, new head coach Zach Taylor, new coaches, uh, perfect, no longer a Bengal, now a Raider for a season. But 100th season of NFL, can you believe it? And there will be a practice at Triangle Park in Dayton, Ohio. When? I don't know. And where? Triangle Park, which is close to Boonshoft and close to Howell Field. I was telling someone about it. I forget who. Might have been the SID for UMass Baseball. But it's almost like a triangle shape around the rivers. And Howell Field is where it used to be a tradition where the first high school baseball game in the area was played there. And Wing 1410 covered it. Like play-by-play type of thing. Well, I can't tell you about the NFL schedule, nor can I tell you about when the Bengals will come to Dayton, but I can tell you it's happening, and you can go to Bengals.com and read the article written by senior writer Jeff Hobson. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool when you consider that a pro team comes to Dayton and they have a piece of history. And to think that Dayton, Ohio was the first home game in NFL. Can you believe that? And this is back in September 7th, 1920. If you go back to episode 25, the interview with Leo DeLuca, uh, which was, what was that, last year now? The Triangle's locker rooms should be at Carillon Historical Park, or, you know, very, very shortly. It's about Dayton sports history, which something I'd like to go to eventually. Dayton singled out because it's the league's first game, October 3rd, 1920, when the Dayton Triangles played the Columbus Panhandles. Panhandles, historically, eh, not the best team out there, but then again, you're talking about the days before helmets and before concussion protocol and everything like that. Was it the time before kickers? I don't know. It's the time before the double doink, I can tell you that. The other original towns, which are Akron, Canton, Columbus, Hammond, and Muncie, Indiana, as well as Rochester, New York, and Rock Island, Illinois. It's unclear if Dayton's going to be the scene of a Cincinnati Bengals draft pick, which will be April 27th, later this month. Wow. We're already in April. I know I mentioned that earlier, but still. But yeah, some good news for Dayton. And now, some not-so-good news for Northern Kentucky. If you heard about the story, which has spread through social media, or if you read the initial article, it is titled, Behind Closed Doors, Abuse in Northern Kentucky University's Women's Basketball Program, written by Taryn Tower. I believe that's how you say it. Now, I'm going to go right off the bat and say I am not a part of Northern Kentucky Athletics, nor do I claim to have a hand in Northern Kentucky University Athletics. I'm not a part of Northern Kentucky University in any way. I'm just a bystander talking about it on my podcast. So, there you go. There are two articles to this. The first one, written on March 25th, 2019 by Taryn Totter, like I mentioned, is on Odyssey. 
and you can search through it. And it's also linked on the Cincinnati.com article, which has eight of the Norse women's basketball players signing a letter supporting the coach accused of being abusive by others. And this is written by Max Longberg of the Cincinnati Inquirer. And this is published March 30th, 2019, updated same day, uh, about 15 minutes afterwards. So, if you haven't heard this article on the Odyssey, it's talking about the head coach, Cameron Whitaker, of Nova Kentucky women's basketball. And it's talking about the multiple emotional abuse allegations against the current women's basketball coach. Taryn starts off saying there's a difference between yelling and degrading, and some coaches, you know, have their own style. If you saw on Twitter, there was a big rip between Tom Izzo, he's a big jerk and shouldn't be coaching, or Tom Izzo is a great coach and he's holding the players accountable. Yeah, that wasn't fun to go through a social media rip. Ugh. Just people arguing and calling each other names. It's just stop. Stop. And then you go to the Inquirer article, again, Cincinnati.com. Cincinnati Inquirer is the paper. The joint letter was published Saturday, five days after senior Taryn Totter accused Coach Cameron Whitaker of emotionally abusing her or her teammates. Totter wrote about Whitaker in the Odyssey, which you can go read it. It's not going to be a word-in-word reading on here. You can go read it on your own time. I'm not here to read to you. Although, voiceover work, then no, no. Basically, it's not a pretty picture. It's, you know, not the greatest look you can have on a athletics department. The players that are defending the coach, Grace White, Taylor Klaus, Grayson Rose, Jasmine Geist, Kaylee Coffey, Molly Glick. By the way, Molly Glick is probably one of the top players on the Norse. She had... I believe she was the one that had quite the game against Wright State, the close game at NKU. I might be wrong. Might be Ali Neese and Emily Souter. Those are the players that are defending their head coach, Cameron Whitaker. And they wrote about the demands expected of Division One athletes. Of course, that's the top level in college athletes in the United States. And they're saying the hardships while playing for the Norse have not exceeded the expected amount. Meaning, you know... You do your work, and the coach, you know, lets you go. And they're saying, from day one till now, it's been all positive. If you go to the article written by Tower, it doesn't print a pretty picture. There's intimidation, which, you know, she mentions there's a level of power that coaches possess, make them intimidating to players on some scale. And she's saying that this one is way off the charts. And to the point where practices were dreaded. And yes, we were talking about practices there. Get your laughs in now. Some of the quotes. You're a poor captain. I don't have a place for you on this team. You think you're smarter than me. I can take your scholarship away. Of course, scholarship being, you know, how players, you know, go through college mostly depends if it's full or partial ride there you go like I said I'm not part of the Norse program in any way I mean it'd be cool 
I could, you know, fill NPA work down there because Northern Kentucky's a very nice school. Soccer field's amazing. It's also home to the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. So, after the Inquirer released that article, I really haven't seen anything afterwards. The Director of Public Relations at NKU released a statement Monday night saying the university is aware of complaints surrounding the women's basketball program and we recognize the courage it takes to share personal stories. And there's a couple of players saying, no, they have not been interviewed by Title IX officials. And the other side saying, yes, they have been. Like I mentioned, I I don't know, but you, it, it's sad to see something like this. And not every athlete's going to have a positive experience with a coach. That's, that's, I don't want to say the nature of athletics, but it's, um, yeah, sometimes that happens. So I hope it gets worked out and I hope, you know, whichever side's right gets justice. It's, uh, makes me sad. Makes me sad to think. Because I mention all the time, I think Wright State Northern Kentucky is a great rivalry, and I think is the strongest in the Horizon League. If Northern Kentucky and or Wright State should separate, I think that would be a very sad day. Because I don't know if Wright State Northern Kentucky would continue the rivalry outside words, which that happens. I mean, look at Xavier and Cincinnati. Xavier's now in the Big East, Cincinnati used to be in the Big East. How funny does that work out? But... You get what I'm saying. It's a very sad situation, and you can't take either side lightly. I don't know what's happening because, again, I'm not part of Northern Kentucky, and I mentioned before I was talking about it that I am not a part of it, so I have no inside knowledge. But it it's still it's still a very sad part. So I hope everything gets ironed out, and as news goes along, I'll share it on this podcast because again Northern Kentucky is part of the Sunday sports scene although someone told me no they're in Kentucky well Northern Kentucky is basically Cincinnati South so there you go and that's a compliment by the way not you know let's move on anyway sticking with Northern Kentucky the Norse hockey team they were in the U.S. Nationals. They were playing up in northeastern Ohio. I believe they were in Cleveland. They went 1-2, and two, and their season is officially over. When you win your state title, you get a trip to the National Dance. And Northern Kentucky lost to a very good South Carolina team. I know Coach Jamie Antello is very proud of his Norse. I know the Norse family are very proud of their players. And Northern Kentucky is a heck of a program. They're going to be losing a couple of seniors, including their captain, Drew Jansen. But with all that youth coming back, assuming everyone comes back and adding on, that's going to be a very strong Norse program from years to come. So congrats go out to the Norse. And also seeing the badges, I think mostly from uh, Coach Antello. I didn't realize they had the Chipotle logo on it that's kind of cool but it's really neat when you get to represent your state in a national dance that's huge so definitely all the congrats go out to the norse on that and now we talk a little bit of football that's right it's soccer time and 
We have some results, both of them 2-0. FC Cincinnati fell to the Philadelphia Union 2-0, despite it being a very rainy Saturday night. I tell you, FC Cincinnati fans are some of the most loyal people out there. I mean, just the crowd that they bring in and seeing the videos on social media of everyone lighting the smokers and everything and walking downward towards Nippert Stadium, that's huge. And now apparently there's a new architect that's going to bring the orange glow into the new stadium at the West End, which will be cool, but then I can see all the folks that live there is like, oh my god, the orange is so bright. So, it's a never-ending battle until the scissors cut the ribbon and the arena is finally open. There is supposed to be a new Stargill Stadium opening in time for football season this year, and I really haven't seen any updates on that. And on the other side, the Columbus crew, they defeated Atlanta United at home 2-0. And it's weird to see Atlanta United at the bottom of the table, not at the top, but that's where they are. With the Crews win, they're now tied for first with D.C. United, and F.C. Cincinnati's tied for fourth with the Union, <clears throat> who now claim a pair of wins against both Ohio MLS squads. I said before, I said again, for me, it's hard to pick a side, and I know that's going to really, really affect the, you know, the diehards of either F.C. Cincinnati or the Crew, but that's just me. I always like the Crew. I'm happy the Crew are staying, and I like that F.C. Cincinnati's getting a chance to shine at the top level of American football and in the cards I like to interview both supporter groups in Dayton the Gem City Massive for the crew and Hangar 937 for FC Cincinnati I'd like to have that episode I think that'd be very cool I know my good friend and co-owner of GCSN Brian Reese is a little bit mad that people you know share more of the stories on major sports in Cincinnati Columbus and he would like a team in Dayton, as would I. I miss the Dynamo. But I know Dayton Dutch Lions are building another quality team. I saw Harvey Slade of Wright States on that team and a couple others as well. Should be a very fine 2019 season. Although it's going to be a little weird not seeing Lansing United in there because Lansing Ignite FC is now in USL League 1, which is a step over League 2, but underneath USL. So there you go. Is it USL? Pretty sure it's USL. There we go. That's your MLS update. And now we move on to the Dayton Dragons roster. That's right. It's live on the site. And you better believe I have it ready to go. I am not going to guarantee 100% accuracy on these names. Because I won't find out those until Thursday. Where the Dragons open up the season at home versus Bowling Green for two. Thursday, Friday. Come out to fifth, third field. It's a good time. And it should be good weather, too. Well, I say that, but I think it's both days at least 65% chance of rain. So, here we go. No heavy rain, please. So, you have Luis Boulevard returning for his third year as the skip. The pitching coach is Seth Everton. He'll be in his second year. Kevin Mahar. Is he in his fourth year as the bench coach? He's been there for a couple seasons. And a new hitting coach in Mike Devereaux. And according to the media guide, which you can access on DaytonDragons.com, Mike Devereaux was in an episode of The Young and the Restless back in 1993. A native of Casper, Wyoming, and resides in Ruskin, Florida. 
And like I mentioned, part of the Young and the Restless, uh, about five years after retiring from Major Leagues, where he was part of the Los Angeles Dodgers for nine games and picked up four hits and 13 at-bats. New hitting coach is Mike Devereaux. He's coming in from AA Pensacola, who is no longer part of the Reds' farm system. That's now Chattanooga. After a long, long relationship, the Reds and the lookouts of Chattanooga are together again. John Morrell, Bronson Royal, Bring that commercial back, because that was great. Oh, by the way, Mahar, third season at the helm as the bench coach. I wasn't too far off. I said four. So, we're going to go through the roster. And I will mention, there are a couple that were born in 2000. Meaning, we're reaching the point where I feel old as dirt. The oldest one, not counting the coaches, because they're the coaches. Actually, the oldest coach was born in 1963. That would be Mike Devereaux, the new hitting coach. Youngest would be Kevin Mahar by about four months. Luis Bolivar is not too far behind. They are about, uh, what would that be, seven years older than me? So, close to the 40s, but not quite. Okay, let's talk about the staff. We'll start with catchers. There are two new ones to the Dragons this 2019 season, and Pablo Benzanero and Jay Schroeder. And your infielders, there are non-returning from last year's Dragon squad, at least as of yet. Claudio Fanal, Dylan Harris, who is the journeyman or the elder statesman of the Dragons, the oldest one, in other words, with Miguel Hernandez, Juan Martinez, and Jonathan Williams. Your youngest one is Fanal, who was born in the year 2000. So when you talk about Y2K with him, I assume he doesn't know what you're talking about. But then again, who remembers what Y2K was? There you go. Outfielders, there is one returning from last year, not a full-year dragon, but came in... Uh, second half, I believe, Richard Monroe. He's back in the outfield for the Dragons. And your new ones are Mike Ciani, a high draft pick of the Reds a couple years back, a 1999 date of birth. Bren Spillane, Mario Bautista, and Renal Ozuna. And also, Nate Scantlin is part of this list, but he is restricted and does not have a number for the Dragons, meaning he probably won't play opening night. And now your pitchers. There are a couple coming back from last year. Adrian Rodriguez. He struggled as a starter for the Dragons, but did well in Billings. And I also want to say Andy Cox is coming back for his third year. Connor Bennett, his second season. Junior Arias is a name I thought I remembered, but I'm not sure. Zach Correll is restricted. He doesn't have a number. I want to say Alexis Diaz, but no, I'm thinking of Luis Alexis. So, a different pitcher altogether. Your newcomers, also Jared Solomon. He came in late as a starter, and he'll get a chance to be part of the starting five for the Dragons uh, pitching staff. You have Ryan Campbell out of UIC. Like I mentioned, a very solid starting pitcher. Moved to the bullpen because, you know, college baseball goes from February until about June. Well, for the Flames case, May is a fell in the championship game of the Horizon League tournament. So, Campbell will probably be a starter for the Dragons, which I'm very excited to see. Also have Jean de Jesus, Eddie Demurius, Alexis Diaz, Jacob Heatherly, James Marinan, 
who I believe is also high up there. The young gun of the pitching staff, Lion Richardson. I believe that's Julio Pinto, Eduardo Salazar, and that's all your pitchers. With Junior Arias and Zach Corral on the restricted list. Seems like a very solid core. There are two left-handers, Heatherly and Cox. And Cox comes out of the bullpen. Heatherly, I believe... Is he part of the starting five? Let's look on RedsMinorLeagues.com. Again, ran by Doug Gray Jr., who is a guest a couple episodes ago. Talks about the rosters. Top 10 prospects for the Reds. Bautista is number 9. Siani, number 10. Bautista hit 320 or higher in each of the last three seasons. And showing and growing power of every at-bat. Fourth round pick, Siani last year, signed for late first round money, went to Greenville after the draft, and also showed some very ex- impressive defensive skills while hitting 288. I'm looking forward to seeing what this Dragons team will do. I'm not in the market to say, oh yeah, Midwest League champions. Because Meyer League, such a fickle matter because of the fact that you have call-ups, you have call-downs, you have people go to expect Extended spring training, which is literally go back to Arizona in this case for the Reds. I'm looking forward to seeing what this Dragons team will do. The rotation looks to be Solomon, Richardson, Heatherly, Marion, and Diaz. Campbell's not listed on there, but I'm pretty sure he'll get a look. He might stay in the bullpen for the Dragons. But like I mentioned with UIC, he was a starter and quite a good one. One of the best in the Horizon League, in fact. So I cannot wait to see what all the Dragons will bring to the table. Again, you can find the roster, DaytonDragons.com, or you can read the summary of the Dragons at RedsMinorLeague.com, RedsMinorLeagues.com, and it's uploaded and obtained by Doug Gray, who does a fantastic job. I mean, considering it's not as widespread as some other squads I mean the Dodgers have a single A affiliate in Midland Michigan and where are they oh yeah Los Angeles but then again you don't really call up single A folks to go to the majors unless they're really 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 good but I haven't seen that but there you go Dragons start Thursday it will be the home and season opener for Dayton as they'll take on the Bowling Green Hot Rods who won their first Midwest League championship Last year, they are the single A of the Tampa Bay Rays, and that farm system is always strong. Tampa Bay does a very nice job in the draft, so should be another good year for the Hot Rods as well. And there are some other changes outside the team, and this is from the Dayton Business Journal. Sports business written by Elizabeth Kyle, a data reporter for the DBJ. From fireworks shows to new kids' Friendly activity area, Dayton's Meyer League baseball team is introducing a fresh lineup of offerings ahead of year number 20. By the way, if you're looking for a result of Team 20 versus the alumni, it never happened. It got rained out. That Saturday was cruel to almost everyone except Wright State Baseball. They got the game in, but they fell to Youngstown State 10-8. to The Dayton Dragons, based in downtown Dayton's Fifth Third Field, beautiful field, and the season kicks off April 4th against Bowling Green. Newly renovated areas, new food and drink offerings, number of business partnerships will debut this year. Last year, 
actually last two years, half a mil, actually over half a million attendees caught a Dragons game, 550,725 attendees, 2017, 2018, according to research. That's a lot. The president and general manager of the Dragons, Robert Murphy, is talking on the article about the new additions. The Dragon Zone is the kid-friendly area behind the center field fence or the batter's eye. It'll feature carnival games such as Ski Roll, Lily Pad Launcher, and Papa Shot, to name a few, including face painting and other activities, and the price tag for these games are a dollar. And you have a chance to win a variety of prizes. Which is always cool. That's always been like the bouncy house area behind the batter's eye. So, catering to the young ones who might not be, you know, fully dedicated into baseball, it's really cool. And the Dragons have always done a nice job focusing on families alike. Now, for drinking age adults, Heidelberg Distributing will be the presenting sponsor of a craft beer area. Located on the field's first base side. If I think, if I think in the right location, it's by the first base exit type of thing. It's going to be Sam Adams Pub, a rotating cycle of craft beers, and it'll be a chance for fans to try a variety of craft creations. So that will be pretty neat. There's also going to be six fireworks shows. Normally, there's just one per year. Thanks to the Associate Builders and Contractors Ohio Valley Chapter, they're sponsoring the six fireworks displays. And it'll be held at Fifth Third Field throughout the season. Also, the baseball team partners with Care Source on its new veteran recognition program. Dragons have always done a very nice job recognizing the veterans around here, with Wright Patterson Air Force Base being one of the bigger employers in the Dayton area. Pepsi's with the Dragons for seven more years, and also the bubbly sparkling water will make their way into the ballpark, along with a new soda station where fans can bring their own soda combinations to life, which is pretty nice. I mean, if you know me, I'm going to Speedway. Normally, I load up with like half vanilla and half soda. I know it's bad for me, but it tastes good. 25 TV games, again, on the Dayton CW, which is Channel 26 or Channel 13, depending on what type of satellite or cable you get 25 home games friday's game is a tv game if you want to watch it on the food front the first base side outdoor cafe was renovated to give it a backyard deck feel specialty hot dogs such as a spicy dragon's dog a mac and cheese dog and more will be added to its ballpark menu also cheese curds fried twinkies philly cheesesteak sausage and a bacon double stuffed cheeseburger I'm getting hungry just reading this. Excuse me. No, I'm just kidding. And also, there will be Jesse White Tumblers and Tyler's Amazing Balancing Act. Like I mentioned, the Dragons do a very nice job to cater to the families. In between innings, there's always something to keep everyone entertained. And I think it's very nice. Jesse White Tumblers, if you've never seen them, they I don't know how they do it. That's just that's amazing. You gotta think of all the dedication of just one person doing it, but when you have a line of tumblers just following around, that's insane. And it makes me sad that I am super out of shape, but there you go. The streak, the sellout streak, which, if you don't know, the Dragons hold that record, stands at 1,316 sold-out games. 
all-time record for sports in North America, according to the website, the Dragons website, I mean. I don't see an ending this year. So, that is your look at the Dayton Dragons. Not only the roster for 2019, but what can you expect when the gates open Thursday afternoon? Or Thursday evening, I guess would be the right term, but I get there Thursday afternoon to make sure I know how to do my job again. There you go. And now we talk about the Cincinnati Reds, something I didn't even bother to put on my outline because I am stupid. So the Reds went 1-1 one one against the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, last night, or yesterday afternoon, heading home from the UD game. Got to hear it in Sonny Gray. Not the debut everyone was expecting out of him. I think he'll bounce back, but, man, he had a rough time finding the strike zone. I think he went close to 81 pitches in nearly three innings. His breaking ball wasn't breaking, and he had a tough time finding the zone, and Pittsburgh took advantage. And Trevor Williams had himself quite the game on both sides of the ball. Pitched quite well, and drew in a couple of RBIs. And Pittsburgh took it 5 nothing against the Reds. After Cincinnati won opening night 5-2. to two. So Reds 1-1, one one. Milwaukee's in town. Start off a three-game set today, tomorrow, and Wednesday afternoon. And Wednesday will be nice because it's at 12.35, and when I head up to Wright State, I can listen to the game. Woohoo. But I still have optimism for this Red squad. I was listening. I, I like the pickup of Derek Dietrich, especially since he hit that three-run home run bomb to give the Reds the win. And also, I like Jose Iglesias. I mentioned those signings probably aren't going to win the World Series in Cincinnati, but it's going to make the team that much stronger. And... Glacius, definitely, definitely welcome addition. Dietrich, I'd like to see him start, but also welcome addition as well. You can't forget Votto. I mean, his on-pace percentage is through the roof, although depending on who you talk to, hey, what's too much? It's not baseball. Yeah, it is. What what part of walking is not part of baseball? Uh, I don't know, but it's nice to hear Marty Brenneman on the radio. Here's to one last season with the old voice with the Cowboy. I, I kinda, I'm kind of hoping between now and the end of the season he'll change his mind. He's like, I'll be here for another 20 years. But in my heart, I know that's it. So if you love Marty Brenneman, you want to listen to him throughout the season. I know I've tried to. It's hard to believe, but, yep. 2019 should be pretty special, although the NL Central is pretty stacked. I will say the Reds aren't last place. That'd be the Cubs. They're 1-2. and two. They fell off, I think, two walk-offs against the Texas Rangers. We're getting a new ballpark after what? What would that be, 25 years of globe life? I mean, yeah, they probably need a dome. Let's be honest, Texas is hot in the summer. Yeah. That's nothing new. In other news, water is wet. But, yeah, Reds 1-1. One and one. Could be a lot worse. And people could say, 161-1. Even though, let's be honest, that's not happening. So there you go. Reds update looks like that. Indians fell two out of three times against the Minnesota Twins. And the home opener is tonight in Cleveland. Even though this is also the day the Cleveland Browns are introducing OBJ officially to the world. So there you go. Talk about dragons, talk about reds, and now 
another sad note in episode 91. I mentioned a nearby team is folding. It is not in Cincinnati, nor is it in Dayton. This is heading back to Columbus. Something I don't talk about a lot on this podcast. It is the Major League Lacrosse, or MLL. And about an hour before I start recording, it is announced that they are re-energizing and restructuring the focus to expand in strategic markets. They've reacquired their media rights to pursue border distribution deal for fans, players, and sponsors. And that also means there will be a trio of teams not playing in 2019. And you guessed it, the Ohio Machine is one of those three. So the Machine are folding. Not sure what the future holds for Ohio. Along with the Machine, the Florida Launch, you know, like rockets and launch and launch pad. And I don't know, Mr. McD, I can't fly this plane, but you keep trusting me to fly the planes. DuckTales. Darkwing Duck reference. There you go. And the Charlotte Hounds won't either, although Charlotte will come back in 2021 with new ownership after the American Legion Memorial Stadium is complete with construction. That means the MLL is down to six teams, and they've lost their Columbus, Ohio team. Why is this important? Well, lacrosse is on the rise. You might know this. And I like to follow along as much as I can, but uh, I'm not going to say I'm the best lacrosse follower. I've broadcasted one game. It was a lot of fun. It was Oakwood and Bellbrook, and Bellbrook came back for a very nice win late in the fourth. The sport's growing. And when you have a pro team that comes back and helps bury roots and helps the youth grow to the sport, it's heartbreaking. The Machine have had a couple of Ohio State Buckeyes, which... I know I'm not a Buckeye fan, and I did an Ohio State joke earlier, but local college kids got a chance to play for the machine. And this is a team that won a championship back in 2017. It's not even that long ago. And now you think 2019, oh, let's go win another championship. Oh, we can't. League decided to uh, kick us out, and now we're down to six teams in the MLL. I thought it was an April Fool's joke because you can't trust anything. But, uh, no, it's not. This was actually published yesterday, near 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the evening. It is it is hard, because I like watching The Machine. I also have a story about a career fair where the machine resume people takers were continuously butchering this guy's name, even though he said what it was like three times loud and clearly. But that's neither here nor there. It's sad when you lose a team. And in Dayton, we've lost several teams over the years. The Demolition, the Demons, the Dynamo. It's tough. And you might think, who cares about lacrosse? Who cares about minor league sports? They're not important. They don't have... I'm not going to do that voice. It's making me want to punch the microphone. It does matter. You know? It's jobs for people. It's a way for people to relax outside work and outside stress. It, it's it's tough. And I, I do feel for the Machine fans, and I feel for Ohio, because the Machine used to play in Delaware, Ohio, which is north of Columbus. And then they moved on to Fortress Obits. Obits? Obits? Somewhere in Columbus. Used to be a former racetrack, but the Machine made it theirs. 
and now they're gone. It, it does hurt, and I hope to see the machine get back in the pro level, but or even back in the MLL, but who's to say? There is a chance that the machine come back with new owners, but the league has decided their teams that they own, gone. Again, Ohio Machine, the Florida Launch, or the Charlotte Hounds, but the Hounds do have new ownership and will come back in 2021. Assuming the league's still there, and assuming all goes according to plan with their stadium. So, here's to you, Ohio Machine. Thanks for the championship and the cross coming to the state of Ohio. And that will do it. That's episode 91. I'm afraid to look at what part two is. That is about 40 minutes. So a little over an hour. April Fools, it's definitely over an hour. Like to thank all of you for listening. I know I just shared a little, a little ditty about Jack and Diane. No, a little uh, preview on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon. Thanks to Headliner. <laughs> I still like how I opened that, but there you go. I also want to thank Pulse Podcast Network for keeping this aboard. As we roll on through, there is a new shop at Pulse Podcast Network, and eventually I will get new gear up to the new shop so you can support the local Sunday Sports Podcast because every little support helps, and I appreciate it. Episode 92, scheduled for next week. It's going to be a very, very busy month. And how busy is it going to be? Well, I have six days off. Not one week, not two weeks, the month. I'm working almost every single day. Something I am looking forward to, the Reds Futures High School Showcase. There's only two games at Wright State this year, but I always look forward to it because you can see local baseball. Last year there was local softball too, but it's just baseball this year at Wright State. So, yeah. Hope you keep following along at the Lee W. Mallon and at Gem on Queen Crown. Any suggestions, any... Anything to help improve the podcast is appreciated. And that will do it. This is episode 91 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And we'll talk to you next week for episode 92. Pulse Podcast Network. Keeping your finger on the pulse. PulsePodcastNetwork.com This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.